Welcome back to another youth-centered podcast. Uh, this is going to be a, a unique one, um, and I cannot take credit for the idea. Uh, past uh, our last podcast guest, Steve Boudreau, who came in to talk about culture in sports, um, suggested that during this uh, very unique time in our history that uh, we do the podcast, obviously by myself, um, practicing social distancing, and uh, his idea was to do a YC mailbag where we asked people from the community to ask questions uh, of things they wanted to know on, on any subject. Obviously, a lot will probably be pertaining to it's the youth center and uh, what's happened here the last 32 years, but uh, open to all other questions. And we were uh, very overwhelmed. We got, uh, as of last night, we got about 70 uh, questions. Um, a few people, uh, Chet Jackson and Isaiah Nelson, gave us some multiple questions that were great. Um, the unique, unique thing was that of the 70 questions, we had about 25 that were focused on this phenomenon of 1991 to 2010 um, when we ran what was called the Summer League Basketball Program for uh, both high school and uh, college division that we had uh, for many, many, many years. So because of all of those questions, we're going to do a, uh, a separate podcast on that, hoping maybe do that on on Friday. And we've gotten a lot of people who submitted questions and comments, but also we threw a call out today. And uh, all those people that played in that league or were around during that crazy time um, to send us some questions by Thursday night. And we're going to do this on Friday. So, uh, But today we're going to do the YC mailbag. And uh, we have a lot of questions that were similar, so I'm going to try to put a few of them together. Um, and we're not going to go in any specific order. Um, and we're just going to throw it out. So some of them came in anonymously, other one with uh, unique code names, and other people put their actual name on it. So we got most of our questions either through the Twitter site, um, also got text, phone calls, and emails. Um, so this is where they all came in. So let's just get right to it. Um, first thing that someone asked, and this was from a rabbit hole, um, and rabbit hole wanted to know what were the first youth center programs that we did? And for po folks that are just understanding this, we started um, in 1988 um, and uh, the, into um, 1989, that first year. Uh, and we actually ran three programs back then. Uh, it was a one-man show back then. And uh, the first one was the infamous Teenco Dances, which I worked with combination with uh, Bruce Battlefield, who left us too young. Um, and Bruce and I put together these monthly dances, um, which we have another question about that later. But these monthly dances, um, which were held at various places, mostly the Atkinson School and then, uh, then the Middle School, uh, and they were Friday night dances, and they were unbelievably well attended throughout the years. The second program we started with was a program uh, coined by the high school kids called No Expectations. And this was a, a group of uh, high school kids that um, had kind of been lost, um, and uh, they felt like there was nothing for them in town. And we, uh, we met with them two to three times a week, um, and we met at the old Red Barn. And we tried to do everything from run some activities for them. Uh, we started the barn concerts, if anybody remembers the barn concerts, as well as we did a lot of meetings around uh, most of the kids in the group were extremely high-risk kids um, that were going through some difficult times. So No Expectations was our second program. And then our third program was actually 
in collaboration with the Lawrence District Court, and it was um, our second chance diversion program, which myself and then police officer Dave Rand, since I retired for many, many years, uh, put together a program for first-time offenders in North Andover. If you had been caught shoplifting or something like that, you were given X amount of community service hours, and we did a lot of things around town. So those were actually the first three programs that evolved into what we run hundreds of programs a year now. So thank you for that question. Um, where are the former YC staff members today? This is, a, this is an interesting one and actually a pretty good timed one uh, because we just had Alex Bryan do our latest mural um, in the hallway, the back hallway, and it's a tree and it's actually dedicated to all of the former staff members we had. So I actually got uh, most of the names and I can fill you in a little bit of where everybody is these days. Um, my first employee um, was obviously Bill Fahey, uh, and for people that don't know, Bill lives in town here, raising a family, and for 25 years he has been Andover Youth Services um, Director. Uh, then there was Kelly Crimmins, she was here from 92 to 99, a lot of people remember her from uh, the Kelly's Clubhouse at the, um, the little shack down at Grogan's Park. Uh, Kelly was with us for about eight years in a full-time capacity after being a college intern uh, and then left us in 99 uh, got married and had a family uh, and living down in uh, the maryland area um, uh, tally abernathy who a lot of people might know from uh, the middle school she is actually a uh, an educator of sorts at the middle school she was with us for a year uh, christine holbrook was here from 99 uh, to 2000 and Christine actually uh, went off to work with her father's insurance company and doing well. Jen Conway, which most people remember, Jen, Jen was here for seven years, and Jen went on uh, to do a lot of things um, in education field up in the state of Maine. Nicole Downer was our next employee that worked with us, and Nicole, raising a family, married to Chris Downer, um, and actually uh, worked for us during a really tough time during 9-11, and she was here for, for a year, along with Jay Schaefer. Uh, Jay Schaefer, who did a lot of adventure stuff, went on to become uh, an educator at an alternative school in Haverhill, and actually now employed by the Haverhill Public School System. Danielle Yatano is another one of our support services coordinator. Danielle's raising her family in town here right now. Uh, Chris Bevilacqua, who everybody knows as the skateboard guy. Um, Chris has gone on to be the executive director of the Ipswich YMCA. And then there was Wendy Manis, who uh, was our adventure coordinator and did a lot of crazy things and did a lot of things for girls programs. And she started actually the Lady Black Knights program that we had. Wendy went on to work for her own adventure business. Um, she was with us for a couple of years. Ted Sharenda, everybody knows Teddy Ballgame. Teddy Ballgame worked for us um, back in 2004 to 2007. He's now a teacher in Georgetown and uh, head coach of Triton Basketball. Jim Scranton was here from 2004, 2005, and Jim, uh, Jim is actually a Lynn Fire uh, Department. Uh, he works for Lynn Fire Department as a fireman. It was his dream job, and that came up while I was working here. Paul Tanglis was here from 2005, 2006, middle school's Paul Tanglis, and also the head basketball coach. Adrian Villalobos uh, was here for a year in 2005, 2006. Uh, Adrian's gone on to do some things. We haven't heard from Adrian in a while. I'll have to check up on him. Bree Hart uh, was here from 2006-2008. Um, she ended up having a great job working for the Boston Red Sox and actually 
being a top assistant um, uh, working for the owner's family and uh, been doing a lot of things that and she's now in real estate Josh Peters most people remember Josh Josh was here from 2007 2016 Josh has started his own program he works for zero gravity he's got fundamental hoops he's uh, the head of the New England storm doing all great things from there Ryan Chassis was here for three years Ryan was our was our adventure person at that point in time and he's obviously started his own adventure business called element adventures michelle grasso was here from 2008 to 2013 and she uh, um, is an educator she's teaching over at saint augustine school in andover michaela tetrot was here for 2010 2016 she is a guidance counselor at lawrence high demi tetrot started in 2013 and we're not letting her go she's still here right now molly malandrino was here for 2013 to 2015 she's now also a guidance counselor at lawrence high mike hutley was here in 2016 and he is now an andover fireman um, Justin Barry was here from 2016-2019. He works down at St. Michael's School in, in North Hanover right now. Diana Madden was here for a year, and Diana Madden went uh, back to teaching school in Haverhill. Laura Stevens um, was here for a year, and Laura is the middle school adjustment counselor for the North End of the Middle School. Kyle Palladino started in 2017, and he is still here doing a lot of great things for us. Uh, Brenda Carney was here for a year, and she's gone off to work in the education field in Lowell. And uh, our last one, and our most recent one, is Lauren Sanford, who um, who started here uh, this past year, and she's doing some great stuff. So that's kind of where the full-time staff is. I really ask you to come down and see Alex Bryan's amazing artwork and a tribute to all the full-time staff people. So sorry that took a little bit longer. A uh, couple of things. What, what went into the building of the youth center um, and how long did it take? Um, we have actually a separate um, podcast on this. I really ask you to go back and look at it. Uh, in a quick note, it was a major undertaking, um, but we actually did it pretty quick from 1993 uh, to 1999. We worked with the town. We raised a lot of money and uh, we constructed in 99 and opened up in 2000. So we're celebrating our 20th year of the building being open this July 20th. So uh, for more about how we actually built the youth center, I uh, did a great podcast with Peter Breen uh, about a year ago. So check back on our podcast for that whole thing. Um, what was the YC like on 9-11-01? And this is from uh, Mr. John Horton. Uh, that was a very, um, it was a really tough day here. Uh, very vivid memories of this. Um, I was at a meeting at the north end of a high school guidance department um, with uh, John DeFlumery and a lot of the former guidance counselors, but a, a very young Steve Nugent who was uh, who is now our guidance director there. Um, very scary day. We were pulled out of a meeting finding finding out that uh, the Twin Towers had been hit. Um, we all kind of went our ways, quite frankly, didn't know what that day was going to bring. Um, I had a, a young son, Michael, who was in ele elementary school and a, and a daughter, Lindsay Holmes, so I obviously needed to make sure they were all set. And then um, at the youth center, it was a very somber day. We were open. A lot of people didn't really know what was going on, and um, a lot of kids actually showed up, and we kind of just... Um, hung out and talked and probably worried about a lot of things and tried to calm the fears of a lot of kids and it was um, the next few weeks were obviously very tough around here but it's a day that you know I'll never forget here and it was a day that I'm glad we had a youth center uh, for all those kids that really needed some place to go that day um, 
Why was Joe Walsh so important to you? This was submitted anonymously. Um, for people that don't know Joe Walsh, he was definitely one of my mentors, one of the first people I met here. Um, our football stadium is named after Joe Walsh, and uh, he was just a, uh, an amazing guy. Uh, if you ever met him, one of the largest men I've ever met, uh, worked for the Housing Authority, and drove around in the truck all day and he had a gruff voice about him but uh became a very very close friend and I'll, I'll never forget that you know when I was working long hours back then longer than now uh you know uh he'd pull up in his truck uh, at the outside of what was the old youth center and he'd whistle because and he you know he'd always whistle you'd have to respond and in a gruff voice he said hey it's time to go home you need to go home um, and I'll always remember that that was almost like a daily occurrence with him but a great great man who did a lot for this community and a lot for sports in this town a lot for the housing authority the kids down at the veterans housing just a, a really an amazing man um, where were the places of the youth center house this was submitted by Cynthia um, that's that's a good one when I first started here I was in a one-room uh, a room in the top of the old red barn, which was one of the, I mean, probably should have been condemned by today's standards. Um, but I was in that room for about a year, had to share the office with then um, Recreation Director Bill McAvoy. Um, and we were there for a year until they moved us up to the second floor apartment above the thrift shop, which was right next door. Um, and uh, I think it was Billy McCarthy uh, was one of the, our fire chief actually lived up there and Lenny White was the last resident and when he moved out uh, they said hey why don't you house the youth center there so we were there from about 89 um, to close to 99 so about close to 10 years in that building and then we spent the infamous 1999 to 2000 year in a trailer in the middle of Drummond Playground um, and that was the construction trailer while they demolished the buildings and then built the new youth center. And then obviously since 2000, we've been in this uh, beautiful youth center on that. So um, got a lot of questions on this one. So this will be attributed to a number of people. I think Chet Jackson was actually one of the ones that asked this, but we had about, probably about five people ask this. Biggest heartaches, kid heartaches that I've actually had to deal with um, in my 32 years here. And this is a tough one, but it's also, it's pretty easy. Um, it, it's basically the deaths we've had of so many young people. Um, a lot of times, uh, obviously, we've lost a lot of kids to drugs. We've lost a lot of kids to risky behaviors over the years. Um, we've lost kids to, you know, nothing that they brought on themselves. Um, obviously, illness. Um, I think it would be staggering if I told people the statistics of how many young people uh, over my 30 years here that we've actually seen you know, pass away from their teenage years um, up into their 30s. Uh, some of the toughest ones was, and, and I talk about this a lot, was the loss of Tim Roberts to cancer. Um, you know, I, I get emotional talking about Tim. He was a really important person to me here. He was one of our high school kids who worked here. Um, and just a, an amazing kid throughout his whole um, ordeal. He was just uh, one of the strongest people I know. Um, 
obviously in the year 1998, um, we had a horrendous time here with uh, two seventh grade uh, suicides at North Andover Middle School, um, uh, only a week and a half apart from each other. And, you know, for a period of time, we, ha we thought we had a contagion going on here and we were wondering how many other kids might do it. It was just a, a very, very dark time um, for our seventh graders, our middle school and our community. And to this day, uh, you know, I, I reminisce with some of the people that were around at that time. Um, I worked very closely with middle school principal Gary Oakes, um, now assistant principal Cheryl Romano, um, past uh, police chief uh, Paul Gallagher, and a number of us worked very closely, and it was just a really, really tough time. And then obviously the other one was, uh, and it was probably the toughest to me, it was um, in 96, uh, Kyle Wentworth was hit by a train. Uh, Kyle Wentworth was a, a YC kid like no other. He was involved in all of our programs, and there were lots of reasons why Kyle was involved with our programs, but um, yeah, a special place in my heart always. And that summer that he died, um, it was just a very, very sad time here in North Andover. And what got us through that was actually that summer league basketball that year. We'll, we'll talk more about that on Friday when we talk about the summer league. But obviously when I look at all the team deaths, losing Tim, you know, the seventh grade suicide in Kyle Wentworth, um, toughest times definitely in the 32 years and wish we never had to go through those things. A um, couple other things. Um, how many... How many town managers have you worked for? Uh, and this was submitted by Sheila. Uh, Sheila, um, I've worked for every town manager we've had. Um, it, it came to light uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, Karen Robinson's retirement party. She'd actually been here longer than anybody and, and worked for what was called then executive secretaries um, that were running the town along with the board of selectmen. But uh, when I was hired, it was the first town manager, Paul Sharon. And I've worked with every single one, all the, all the way up to Melissa Rodriguez. Um, very interesting. All of them very different styles. Um, very different way they they supervised and ran the town or whatever. But I was fortunate enough to work for all of them. And I, I learned a lot from each one of them in very different ways. Uh, Tim Bean uh, wants to know, who have you seen be huge leaders in our community in crisis times? Um, that's an interesting one. I think uh, we're even seeing this right now, right, with the leadership. And uh, obviously, I think this town has had some great leaders. Um, Melissa Rodriguez, how she's leading this community right now in unprecedented times in this community. Um, former uh, town manager uh, Andrew Mailer's leadership during the whole gas crisis was amazing. Um, and one of the probably the biggest leaders that I ever saw in this town, and people that have been around here only a short time would not remember this name, but used to have a school superintendent, uh, George Blaisdell. He was the first school superintendent that I worked for, and, you know, he was a true leader, um, had a military background, um, you know, ran the school. I'm not sure, but he loved all of his decisions, but he, uh, he emphasized uh, leadership, and it was interesting during this thing this week, obviously. I, I thought about him a little bit. Hey, Chris wants to know, whatever happened to skateboarding in North Andover? Uh, I've always said this, skateboarding is a cyclical sport in, uh, in society in general. Um, I was happy to be responsible for building the then only skateboard park we had in town down at Applin Playground. Um, it has, has had mixed reviews over the years. I think people love the fact that we had Applin Skateboard Park, and I know there were a lot of people that didn't love we had the skateboard park. 
when we built the youth center, uh, we built a skateboard park here. Um, for people the last few years probably um, don't remember it completely, but we had, um, for about 16 of the years we've been here, we had a really good skateboard park, but kids stopped skateboarding. Um, skateboard now is our um, street hockey rink that we use here all the time. We had a great collaboration uh, between Andover and North Andover. We donated our uh, skateboard uh, ramps and things to Bill Fahey over at uh, Andover Youth Services Skate Park. They have a much bigger skate park. And we've worked out an arrangement that any of our North Andover kids who are members of the youth center uh, that want to skate, they can go over to the Andover Skate um, Park. But uh, it seems like skateboarding is making a little bit of revitalization. I do see it a lot um, with kids running around town with their skateboards. And um, we'll see if it comes back again. But there is still a little skateboard park down at Appleman Playground. Uh, Melissa says, I used to attend Kelly's Clubhouse at Grogan's Park. How is Kelly? And talk about those times. Well, as I said, Kelly uh, in 1999 left us, uh, get married, and raise her family. Um, but Kelly did run a very unique program. Started out when she was an intern at Merrimack College um, and worked for us. And then it, when we brought her on uh, full-time, uh, she basically four days a week ran a program mostly for the kids in the veterans housing area obviously kids in the neighborhood also in that little red hut um, which is is really nice compared to what it used to be um, and it wasn't for joe walsh making sure we had heat in there during the winter uh, dpw shoveled us out because uh, you know when the snow would get too much but it was a great place for those kids who grew up in that area Long before we had a building, it was just another service we were offering. And uh, I tell you, there were some great memories there. And obviously, Melissa, you were, you were one of those kids. And uh, I hope you enjoyed all the times that you had down there. Um, uh, this is an anonymous one. The gym has a sign that has your name on it. Uh, isn't that for people who have died? And who were the six amigos? Uh, I, I agree with you. I, uh, most things are named after somebody is when they do pass on. Um, the story on that is that um, when this building was being built, the rooms were sold um, so people could buy the weight room or they could buy the gym. And the gym was the major thing. It was uh, for $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars, you had the right uh, to name it. Um, and there was a group of people uh, called the Six Amigos who actually bought the room and had the naming rights and uh, you know, took me out to dinner and said they wanted to name the gym after me for all I had done. I, I thought it was kind of odd. I didn't love the idea, um, but obviously um, it's been there ever since. And uh, you know, obviously I appreciate that. I did have a humbling experience from that. Um, I tell people this uh, a lot. It was probably around 2001 and in our men's room downstairs, there's, an, there's a janitor's room off of it and I was in the janitor's room and yeah the door was closed and um, a couple of young middle school kids come in and they they said uh you know rick's a good guy but how much of an ego does he have that he named the gym after himself so i kind of chuckled and uh kind of brought me down to earth a little bit with that in terms of the six amigos i am sworn to secrecy on that um, all i will tell you is the six amigos were three couples uh, three families in town uh, that obviously had um, some financial means to to help make this youth center uh, a reality and i appreciate them very much um, let's get to some other questions here 
this is another anonymous one. Why did you stay in the job for 32 years? Um, I was never planning to stay here this long. Uh, I actually had a plan of um, probably staying here for five years. Um, really wanted to do some things, really uh, make the pilot program a, a reality in a department. And then I um, you know, would probably try to go off and do something else. And um, I've never left. And I think a, a lot of it is I, I love my job. I love the community of North Andover. I love the kids of North Andover. And uh, I've never really felt I've worked a day in my life. Everybody's heard me say that a lot. Um, you know, if you find that job that you love, you never work a day in your life. And and uh, at this point, I, I guess I will be here for the rest of my working career and, and then head over to the sunset. But yeah, it's been an amazing 32 years. Uh, will JG says, I attended Re Reach Camp. Whatever happened to it? Re Reach Camp is a great memory of this. This was kind of right before we started the phenomenon of summer fun. Um, and these were two-week they weren't really camps, but they were two-week programs where we took 15 kids and we did an amazing amount of adventure activities. We got them out of the community. Um, we hired some great people. Uh, you know, when I when I hear of you know Nick Savarese, who's the executive director of the uh, Doug Flutie Foundation on Autism, uh, he he was actually one of the Reach counselors. Kim Festa Craddy, who is a therapist in area, she was a Reach counselor, and it always culminated in a um, a camping trip overnight. Uh, usually up at Pawtuckaway, and uh, just some great times. And uh, what probably what's equivalent to the Reach Camps now is uh, our Adventure Weeks that, like Lauren, will be doing this week. Um, and they kind of went by the side because the growth of summer fun just became so huge in, in running activities here. Jamie says, I saw your son grow up at the YC and now has fallen in his father's footsteps. Uh, you must be proud. Yeah, I, um, I've been real lucky, um, both Michael and Lindsay, um, you know, with spending a lot of hours here, got to kind of grow up. Michael more so than Lindsay. I think most people just saw Michael here every single day, um, and he is was the diehard fan of that summer league basketball, you know, five, six, seven years old, you know walking around thinking all these guys were his heroes and everything else. Lindsay spent a lot of time here. Um, you know, obviously her, her big thing was to sit with the girls at the front desk and, and help answer the phones and stuff. So I'm very appreciative. My kids got to spend a lot of time here. Um, and yeah, Michael, uh, he's amazing. It's, it's great. And when you get to your life and you know, you're kind of known as uh, your son's father now. So in, in some cases, I'm not Rick Gorman anymore. I'm Michael Gorman's father. And the work he's doing for the homeless and the addicted, um, amazing, amazing work that he's doing. Um, he has no interest to kind of run sign of a, a youth center like I do. Um, his interest is obviously working with some of the toughest population, and uh, he's he's done an amazing amount of work. He's only 27 years old, and he's done more than 27 years old than most people have in terms of helping people. So yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm really proud of him. How did the youth centered podcast come about? Gail wants to know. Um, that was just a, an interesting thing. Um, so it's about, about three years ago now that I actually, who was, I was listening to a ton of podcasts and I said, you know what, I, I'd like to do this as another platform to notify and let people in town know what's going on. And um, so I remember bringing the idea to our IT director, Chris McClure. 
who then brought it to NACAM, Brian Frazier. And the number one question from both of them was, do people really even listen to podcasts? And and I told them they did, and I was proven that it was going to be a platform for us. And uh, it's been great. Um, you know, through a grant, we were actually able to buy some great equipment. And uh, and we're on our third year of trying to do a podcast every week, bringing on new guests, uh, bringing on new topics that people want to talk about. And it, we got our own following. I'm not saying we're as popular as TED Talks or some of the, the really big, big podcasts, but, you know, we've got a local following, which is pretty cool. So... Uh, we're going to keep doing new things with the podcast. Um, AB1004 wants to know, how does it feel when you see kids you work with become successful? Yeah, it's probably the, the greatest failing. And I know teachers and educators and a number of coaches and things like that around can relate to this, that, um, you know, one of my you know, biggest things is to seeing our kids grow into being you know, amazing young adults and adults. Um, some of the first kids I'm working with now are in their 40s. Um, and obviously all the way up to our kids that we're dealing with presently, there's nothing like it. Um, and I've always said this, the, um, the biggest thing for me uh, is not getting an award or anything. I think that probably meant a lot more to me when I was younger. Um, but most people who know me know I have a draw here at the youth center and I have a drawer of, you know, letters of thanks from kids and, uh, you know, when you ever feel down or whatever, I tend to, to look at those letters and say, hey, we, we have done an impact and we have, we've kind of helped kids through a difficult time. And uh, probably, the, probably the, the, the most latest one is uh, the fact that we're, you know, Asia Valdez is going to be our new support services coordinator, which starts next week. And um, not a lot of people know Asia's story, but to see where Asia has come from to where she is now. I know people like Peek and Cannon and, and Steve Nugent and, and people at the middle school and high school, MB Chesler, know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, uh, seeing, seeing Asia grow up to be the woman that she is right now and coming to join our family and, and paying it back, a pretty exciting time for us. So, yeah, definitely there's nothing like that. Um, let's get to a couple other ones. Um, sorry, I'm just reading off a few. Okay. Okay, let me add a couple here from the Isanada. Isaiah Nelson. Uh, Isaiah had three questions. He he actually wanted to make sure I wasn't over he wasn't overdoing it with three questions, but I think we can answer all three. So, um uh, before the YC was the YC, how many times did you want to give up? What motivated you to keep going? I, I think it was tough. I mean, I think in the 90s when we really didn't have a home and we were running facilities out of, you know, running programs out of 18 different facilities. And then when we dealt with an inordinate amount of deaths in the 1990s. And then as I talked about when we lost Kyle, who, I mean, that almost killed me in terms of how close I was with Kyle. And then the suicides uh, in 98. Um, I think at that point in time, you sit there and you say, what could I have done more? You know, what should I have done more? Am I succeeding here? Am I failing? And and you sit there and you you, you kind of challenge yourself a little bit. And then I would actually really look at all the really good things that have happened here and things that we've been involved with. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to walk away from this. I'm going to keep plugging along. I think one of the best comments I heard from somebody, a former kid who lives in New York now, is um, 
he says, uh, he told a friend he on Facebook, he said, I'm never going back to North Andover. That's my previous life. But he says, it's pretty comforting to know that Rick Gorman never left. So um, when I hear something like that, um, you know, it kind of keeps me going here. And, you know, the reality here is that, um, you know, I just think we got to keep fighting when things are, are tough. We got to keep fighting. We got to keep being leaders. And no better proof of that of, of this unprecedented time we're living in right now. And, you know, the reality is you can't just pack it in. We've got to work and figure this out. And, you know, North End is an amazing community, and, and we will work this out if we work together. So um, you are an open-minded person, Izzy asks. As you've gotten older, what is the something that you've completely changed your opinion on? This is kind of a funny one. Uh, Michelle Grasso and and Demi and Michaela would know this. I fought social media. I fought the whole idea of social media. Um, it, I was concerned about some of the negativities it could cause within the youth center. And I'm obviously um, come full circle on that. Social media has probably been the best thing that we've ever done in terms of showing the community what we're really doing on a regular basis here. Um, and obviously, um, not a big Facebook guy, but obviously I am a big Twitter guy and, and with the podcast or whatever. So, yeah, Izzy, I was wrong about social media, and uh, it's actually ended up being one of the best things we have here. Uh, your last question is, says, in your 32 years, what has been the kindest thing another person has done for you, personal or professional? Um, I think the kindest thing people have done to me is um, just like even, even during the period right now, just... Um, I'm looked at as being always the one checking in and seeing how people are doing and trying to encourage people. And I think the kindest thing is that people turned around and, you know, how's Rick doing? You know, uh, how's he, you know, coping with things and what does he need or whatever. So the fact that it's a give and take with those type of things, that's that's probably the kindest thing. Uh, don't need anything materialistic, but just, uh, you know, people checking in to make sure you're all set with it. So um, our principal, Chet Jackson, asked a few questions here. So we'll try to get to some of his here. Uh, first one he had was, who was your mentor or mentors growing up as a school-aged young man? What qualities made them special? I actually had really two. Um, uh, my father was um, pretty much disabled uh, when I was a teenager, and uh, I had to rely on a lot of other people in kind of like a fatherly role. Uh, obviously, my brothers were, were huge on that, but I went to a parochial school, Dom Savio in East Boston, and I came across a Burmese um, brother um, who was a brother in in the priesthood and he uh, he was from Burma and he was just this little Burmese uh, person who just kind of took me under her wing and uh, kind of was there when I really needed to kind of talk about life things or whatever he was great and then the second one I get to talk a lot about at Youth Appreciation Day because we've named the award after it is um, a former lobbyist at the State House, Michael Ventresca, who was a second father to me, um, who basically helped shape the person I am now. And, you know, he kind of tells you how life is fragile, um, as I tell on Youth Appreciation Day, and I try not to get emotional about it. Um, you know, this was a guy who couldn't have kids. Um, so, you know, on New Year's Eve, more, I mean, New Year's, New Year's, New Year's Day morning, he goes out to buy bagels and donuts for his um for his nephews and nieces that stayed over, and he was killed by a uh, drunk driver. And uh, obviously, I, I lost this guy, but yeah, I'm not the man I am today without Mike Ventresca. Thanks for asking that, Chet. 
Um, unfortunately, he, he actually asked one of the ones about, you know, some of the toughest things we talked about, so I won't repeat that. Uh, what was your greatest moment you've witnessed person on, or on TV? Well, in person for me, it was as a young kid. I, I got to go to the, uh, the Celtics triple overtime finals game against the, the Phoenix Suns back in 1976. That was an amazing, amazing night. It was a long night, and Obviously, I was a huge basketball person. Um, in terms of on TV, um, I grew up in Winthrop. So um, when Mike Ruzioni uh, from my town was the captain of the USA Olympic team in 1980 and uh, winning the Miracle on Ice and beating the Russians, um, that was incredible. We all watched it on, on tape delay. But um, And obviously, being a kid that we knew Mike, um, that was incredible. And as a diehard Raiders fan, I guess the other one would be, uh, it was probably one of the saddest nights for me and one of the happiest nights for Boston fans was uh, the tuck rule game in the snow with um, the Patriots and the Raiders. That was, uh, that was an incredible game to watch, and, and I get to watch that a lot. So uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give new employees entering the north end of a school district? Um, it's, and it's something I speak a lot about. I really look for young teachers and young professionals to really help build relationships um, first. And everybody wants to teach the latest program and your, your curriculum, and I get there's a lot of constraints with that, but you want to have any success as a, as a teacher in our school system start by uh, building relationships. And I actually think there's some skill that has to be taught on that, and I'm obviously more than willing to help work with people, but building relationships for us is absolutely the key. What's your favorite restaurant to go not in North Andover? Um, probably two. I'm a, I'm a big Kitty's uh, restaurant fan in North Reading and love my lobster from Woodman's. Um, so those are probably my outside. Um, pretty much a couple other questions people wanted to know. Um, what's the future hold for the youth center? Um, and I think that's a good one. I think that we have a lot of plans here that I don't think people necessarily know that we're looking to actually expand um, this building. Um, and we're looking to do that in the year 2023. Uh, we're looking to add on some space where we can actually have a home to our music programs. Um, our art program, and we'd like to build an off area which the kids could do their academics. Right now, our academics are done kind of in our lounge at a, a table where kids do homework or whatever. Um, so we're looking to have that space. And then we're also looking to kind of have an area where we can have kind of shop. Um, we're looking to kind of do a woodworking program, and that would be stopped. So we're looking to give a little more space to what we have. Uh, the building here is about 18,000 square feet. We're talking about an additional maybe two or 3,000 feet, two stories uh, off the offshoot of our multi-purpose room is kind of what we're proposing right now. We don't have a ton of space um, to grow here, but um, you know that's what we're kind of trying to do on that. Um, all right, let me give you a one more question. I see who entered this one here. Um, okay. Who's your favorite? Ginny wants to know who's your favorite all-time staff person. Well, uh, you know, um, I, I'm not going to answer that because I think everyone that has worked for me has been amazing. Um, 
Each one of the full-time staff people that I've had has left their mark here. Many of them have left their mark on a, a specific program or an activity uh, that has carried on. Um, and, you know, we, I've had very few staff members that really weren't very good. Um, you know, most of the people here were amazing for the short time they were here. Um, and to, as I talked about earlier, it, them actually going off and doing amazing things is pretty good. So I'm very lucky uh, with all the full-time staff. And then, you know, we're going to be celebrating this 20 years, and we've talked about how many people have actually worked for us. Um, part-time workers and the number is staggering it's it's uh, close to 2,000 kids have been involved with us uh, working for one summer or part-time in the building or for some kids multiple multiple years um, and I I love the kids that have worked for us and with the relationships we've built with them and uh, we we wouldn't be who we are today without the wonderful high school and college kids that work for us and and I know you guys know that, parents out there, you, you see them during the summer, you see them during the winter in the building here. I'm so proud of the young people that work for us and, and to see them go off and do amazing things has been great over the years. So, well, this was, this, was, this was fun. I hope this didn't bore too many people. I hope this kind of enlightened a few things. Um, uh, thank you, Steve Buda, for the idea on the YC mailbag. Um, and we'll do this again sometime. I think this was pretty good. Um, we are planning to uh, do a second podcast this week because of the phenomenon of that uh, summer league, 1991 to 2010. So we got a lot of people chiming in on that. We'll have a fun thing. It would be nice if it was more of a roundtable discussion with some of the players on that, some of the people that are involved. People don't know, Brooks, edu Brooks administrator and head basketball coach John McVeigh was our first director of basketball operations, and he has a lot of um, stories that he wants to share too. So I'm going to try to do that uh, myself. And uh, we'll figure ways to keep the podcast going. Um, our IT department at the, at the town is doing a lot of creative things. And we're probably going to be able to do, kind of remotely do this with some other guests so we can continue the, the, um, the, the good thing we have going with our podcast. So uh, I want to remind everybody out there, be safe. Um, you know, to all our members, we love you. We miss you. We can hardly wait till you guys get back here when we reopen. Um, I honestly believe this is an amazing community, and I, I know all communities are, but obviously I'm partial to this community. We always step up in times of needs, whatever it may be, and, and obviously this is the most unique thing that's happened to us. It's a scary thing, and just know that uh, we're going to get through this. We're all going to work together, and uh, it won't be long to a back open here at the youth center and a lot of smiling faces with the kids and the parents. So stay healthy, stay strong out there, make sure you're all doing the right thing. Uh, social distancing is extremely, extremely important. Um, you know, we need guys to really work with that whole thing. And obviously know us at the youth center, we will be working reduced schedule hours, but someone will always be here between 8.30 and 4.30, and you can reach us by email, you can, through our social media platforms, you can call us. Um, well, we'd like to check in, make sure we're all taking care of all the people that need it the most, our elderly, you know, people who have medical conditions, um, you know, people that have some mental health issues. Um, we're here for you. Um, don't be afraid to, to give us a call, and uh, we'll be here for you. So uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.